Welcome. We are here tonight for the final week of this series. And in this series, it's been called If Then. And we've been talking about different what-if moments, different if-then moments uh, that you have in your lives. Uh, we talked about Cain and how he had this chance before murdering Abel to not murder Abel. Uh, he had this chance because God literally himself said, hey, get a hold of your anger. Now, if Cain had listened instead of letting jealousy and envy and anger control him, things would have been a lot different. Uh, he wouldn't have killed his brother. Maybe he would have found a way forward. Maybe things would have been a lot better. Well, things definitely would have been a lot better for him going forward. We talked about David and how kind of the opposite happened. He had this chance to end his problems as he saw them. His men were on his side. The people who followed King Saul would have been on his side because they wanted to go home. They were tired of the fight. They were tired of chasing him. And he has Saul as vulnerable as you can be. And yet he doesn't kill him because he knew that his conscience was saying, hey, God wouldn't do it this way. God wouldn't have you do it this way. And so it continued to, to go for him where he had to be in the wilderness some more and hide, but it still worked out in the long run. And then last week we talked about Paul and how he's in prison and how he has this chance because there's a, an earthquake and the prison doors open and he could have left and he didn't owe anything to anybody. He had not done nothing wrong to be into prison. He was just there. Uh, and, and had he walked out, again, people would have been like, oh, wow, that was definitely God. Like this could have happened. And yet a guard would have killed himself. And people would have been like, oh, man, that's tragic. That's awful. Thoughts and prayers and things like that. And they would have said that. And Paul would have gone on and he probably would have talked about it and he would have felt bad. But that man's life still would have been ended. And so we talked about who, what our responsibility is, how we can be accountable, and how we just need to keep looking and keep trying and keep being our best. And because Paul stayed when he could have left, because he didn't take the easy way out, because he took the road less traveled, um, that man lived. And not only did that man live, but he immediately said, hey, you know, how can I be saved? And then he, his family got saved and his friends and all of this changed because Paul did not take the easy way out. This week, we're going to wrap this up and we're going to talk about Jesus and we're going to talk about the end of his life. I want to start this by saying he was always going to sacrifice his life. This was God's plan. Uh, it was always going to happen no matter what. No amount of choices for anyone, pilot, people, anybody we're going to talk about that. None of their choices would have affected that he would have sacrificed because he did that for us to save us from our sins, to save our lives. But it would have affected their lives, and it would have affected how we remember them. It would have affected how they lived. And while it still would have happened, their roles would have been different. And so I want to go to Matthew 27, 11 through 26. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders uh, made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all of these charges they are bringing against you, Pilate demanded? But Jesus made no response uh, to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. So uh, we're going to talk about Pilate in a second. But basically, he really wants Jesus to say, I'm not guilty. He really wants Jesus to not only say that, but to say, these guys are out to get me. They're the bad ones. They're wrong. They're on the other side of the aisle. They're not good people. All of these things. He wants him to go on the attack. Because then Pilate could let him go and his hands would be washed. Like he wouldn't have it on his hands. But he didn't have the courage to make that decision himself. He didn't want to give up his power. He didn't want to give up his authority. He didn't want to give up his popularity. He didn't want to go against the people, even though he had this feeling that Jesus was right. Or he wanted Jesus to say, hey, I'm, they're right. I'm bad. Like he wanted the choice taken out of his hands. Sometimes in our lives, we kind of are at that crossroads where we know that something is the right thing to do. And yet we also know that if we choose that or if we stand up for that, 
that it will really affect how people look at us, or it will affect what, what friends we have, it will affect what people think of us, uh, people will make fun of us, people will say bad things about us, whatever, and it's like, somebody else will come along. Somebody else will do this. We go to the Good Samaritan, we go to that story, and how a priest and a temple assistant both walked by and were like, eh, you know, somebody else is going to help him, I don't have time. And then a Samaritan, who this guy wouldn't have helped, helped him. And we see that this is kind of like what I talked about last week, where we kind of expect somebody else. We always expect somebody else. And so Pilate was hoping. And we're going to go to the next part. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which of these do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him the message, leave that innocent man alone. I suffered uh, through a terrible nightmare about him last night. So not only does Pilate know these religious leaders, they're just out to get him. Jesus has done nothing wrong. Not only does he know Barabbas is a murderer, not only does he know his wife said, hey, I've had a nightmare, I've had a dream, I have a feeling. You have to free this guy, he's innocent. All of that, he still tries to put it into someone else's hands. He still tries to take the easy way out. He still tells the people, choose. Now, he tries to stack the deck. It's basically like if uh, Luke walks in and he really wants to eat the Butterfinger that he has, but he also wants to be generous to Rob because Rob was really nice at one point in his life. And he really wants him, to, he's like, I, I want to give Rob something, but I really want this Butterfinger. And, you know, he, he comes and he's got in one hand a Butterfinger and in another hand a dead rat. And he's like, Rob, you can choose whichever one you want. Now, he's trying really hard. That went the wrong way. He's trying really hard to keep that Butterfinger. Uh, that, again, I messed that up. But in the other hand, in the but on the Butterfinger, he puts a dead rat. There we go. Live television, guys. Live whatever. He puts the dead rat on the Butterfinger because he really wants that. And then the other hand, he's just got like uh, a piece of gold or something. He really wants that Butterfinger. And he wants Rob to choose. And he's trying to make it on Rob because he doesn't want to be the one to take the Butterfinger. And again, I could have done better with that, but you follow. Uh, and so long story short, Rob still took the Butterfinger and threw the rat. But that's what Pilate's trying to do. That is what Pilate is trying to do. He's like, this guy over here is a murderer. He has killed somebody that you know. He might kill you. If he goes free, he might come to your house tonight and murder you. Who knows? I don't control this. He'll be free. And over here, it's Jesus. And he's really pushing it. He's really trying hard to take the decision out of his own hands. And yet, you know what's going to happen. The people still choose because when someone lives in a way that shows us that we're not living as well as we could, when someone is doing their best, like if you're playing sports and there's somebody else that you don't really get along with and they're there from morning till night and they're practicing and they're working hard, you're like, ah, I don't like them. I don't work that hard. That, that sucks. Like, I don't want to be involved in that. Uh, it makes me feel bad about myself. And so you start making fun of them. You start tripping them or something. That's what's happening. That's what happened with Jesus' life. Like he did things. He didn't like show up people, but because he did the right thing, because he treated people with kindness, because he was good, because he was honest, the Pharisees and the other people were like, that makes me feel bad about myself. And one of the things that I've said a lot is when someone makes you feel bad about yourself, and it's not because they're saying bad things, but because they're doing something that you know you should, you have two choices every time. You can either, okay, okay, I'm just going to ignore that and I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm going to practice more. I'm going to be kinder. I'm going to, to do something more. I'm going to be a better person. 
Or, and this is the easier choice, and this is the one we see in the world, this is the one we see all of the time, you can try to tear that person down. Because that is much easier. Because if you're living okay, and somebody else is doing the right thing, or if you're practicing enough to get by, or you're studying enough to get you know, a C, or you're doing enough to kind of get through life, and somebody else is working twice as hard, that makes you feel bad, like I said. And so if you stop them somehow, if you make fun of them, if you mock them, if you hurt them, if you trip them, if you stop their progress, then they'll fall down to your level and you're like, okay, it's okay. That's why when someone is doing something they know they shouldn't, they immediately try to peer pressure you into doing it, even if they know you don't feel that way. And so that's what's happening here. Pilate has this chance to stand up, but he's trying to make it so other people decide. And the Pharisees have this chance to be better like Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't come out to destroy the Pharisees or their ministry. Like never did he say, hey, you know, I'm going to blow everything up. He said he'd destroy the temple, but that was like prophecy. But what he said was, do better. And the Pharisees, they would talk to him, and if they had said, God, this is their what-if moment. If they had said, Jesus, how can I do better, like Nicodemus did? Then things would have been a lot different, but they couldn't do that. They chose to try to tear him down. They chose to try to get him arrested. They chose to try to murder him. They chose to end his life. They chose to end his ministry, because then he'd go away, and they could go back to being greedy and envy and making people follow them. Pilate, his what if, and let's track this for a second. Had he said, you know what, you guys are insane. You're going to choose a murderer, and I know, I know for a fact this guy's innocent. I've talked to him. He could have said all these things, but he's just here, and he's a good person. He's not done anything wrong. I'm washing my hands of this. I'm done. He's free. Now, Jesus would have gone, and as I said, Jesus still would have been sacrificed in some way. That was the prophecy. That's what was going to happen for us. But Pilate could have walked on and been like, hey, you know, hey, honey, it's going to be rough for us, but I listened and I know that I did the right thing. And then, you know, Rome would have been like, dude, what'd you do? The people are against you now. And the Pharisees would have been like, hey, Rome, take him down. And maybe he would have lost his power. Maybe he would have lost his life, but he would have lost it knowing I did the right thing. As it stands, every day of his life, he would be reminded, I let Jesus die. Now, I don't know whether Pilate ended his life as a believer, so I don't know if he understood that Jesus came back. I don't know if he understood uh, that, that Jesus was going to die. But he knew that he allowed something bad to happen. And not only that, he let a murderer go. And so every day of his life, that came back to him. Every day of his life, he's like, I took the easy way, and it's messed up everything. People, they, they, I still have my power, and I still have my popularity, but man, my wife, she doesn't look at me the same anymore. There's no respect there. Or... or you know, the, the, other, the Pharisees, they think they can just roll over me now. Like, they can tell me to do anything, and, and it just, it changes. One of the things that I've said when it comes to politics, and I don't want to get too deep into this because we're coming up on an election and blah, 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 blah. I believe that most people, when they get into politics, and I'm talking at the Congress, Senate, President levels, they have good intentions. I believe that. And then I believe they make deals, and they make concessions, and they make compromises, and then that changes, and then they like the power, and power corrupts, and blah, 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 blah party politics and all of these things happen and, and then you get people on each side just angry at each other and yelling at each other and they start out, their intention is, I want to have a discussion. Then it's like, they disagree with me, nobody's allowed to disagree with me, I'm always right. And then anger takes hold and then everything just splits apart. Like right now, they're so volatile. And that's what Pilate would have faced in some ways. But he would have felt that he was doing the right thing. 
And if a politician stood up and did the right thing, and I'm talking truly did the right thing and was honest, honestly, I don't know that they'd get elected. Because we want people to say no more taxes, or we want people to say this is going to happen. We want people sometimes to lie to us. And that's because we are afraid of working too. We're afraid of being better too, and it's hard. It makes everything harder. But when you do the right thing, even when there are consequences, when you study for the test, even if you don't get an A, when you work hard for the sport or the band or whatever else, even if you don't make the team, it's okay because you're doing your best. The greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan, who never told the league, hey, Denver's not getting more foul free throws than me, it's not fair, LeBron, uh, who was the greatest. He worked really hard. He got cut from his freshman team. So he worked even harder. He could have quit and said, I can't do it. I'm going to go play baseball. And we've seen how that turned out. But he could have quit. And yet he worked twice as hard and he became the greatest. Because there's always a moment where you could quit. There's always a moment where you could take the easy way. And a lot of people do. And honestly, in this world, we see a lot of people who take the easy way and they succeed. We see Pilate gain more power because he took the easy way out. But they have to live with themselves. And I know that when you're seeing someone succeed, when you're seeing somebody get power, you're seeing someone get money, you're seeing someone get fame, you're seeing someone get the girls or the boys, you're seeing someone get the spot on the team, whatever. And you know that they're cheating, you know you're, they're doing the right thing. It's really hard, it's really cold comfort to be like, yeah, but you know, someday they're going to have to live with that. Or someday they're going to feel this. I get that. But if you have enough of a conscience, if you have a relationship with Jesus to where you truly feel that guilt, that's good. Because guilt can be good because it means that you do have a conscience. And a conscience is good because it means that you are trying to do the right thing. You're not always going to. You're going to have some what-if moments, some if-then moments where you choose wrong. You will. Now again, and I say this each week almost, but you can go into that and be like, well, I'm going to choose wrong sometimes, so I might as well take this time and choose wrong. No, no, no. Sometimes you're going to try your best and still fail or try your best and still choose wrong. You'll always have another chance. Pilot chose wrong. And again, I don't know what happens in the rest of his life. It's historical record to a point. But I'm talking his faith life, but he would always question this moment. And now we're going to go on to the people. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas uh, to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor uh, asked again, which of these two men do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? They called back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and the riot was developing, so he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. doesn't work that way. still on him, too. Uh, and all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death. Now, that's a huge statement. We will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. So the kids are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, so Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. We know that he was crucified, and again, we know that he was always going to be crucified in the, somewhat. But the people, when given the choice, could have chosen differently. And again, it would have happened, because it was destined, because it was for us, because he was our sacrifice to make it to heaven. But these people who said, not only... Are we going to allow murderer to go free? Not only are we going to choose Jesus to die, but it's our responsibility. We'll take that responsibility. That's huge. Each of those people had to live with that for the rest of the day. And some of them 
as we see with people sometimes, probably just held on to that anger and they lived out their lives just being angry and upset and being like, I still did the right thing. I know everybody said it was wrong. I know he came back. I know this, but I did the right thing because it's hard for people to admit that they're wrong. Watch a debate. It's hard for people to admit that they're wrong. But the people who were just caught up in the mob rule, the people who were just caught up in, in, in the shouts of hatred, the people who were just caught up in the shouts of anger, the people who were just caught up in the moment, if they'd taken a second and said, wait, what am I doing? I'm calling for a man to die. I'm calling for an innocent man to die. I'm calling for someone who is different than me, someone who looks different than me, someone who believes different than me. I'm calling for him to die. I got to stop this and walked away. Again, history would have happened as history happened, but they would have had a clear conscience. And they would have walked away and they would have been sad when he died, but when he came back, they would have been among the people who were like, whoa, this is legit. In your lives, you're going to have moments like this. Moments where the crowd is saying one thing. Moments where two or three people are saying one thing. Moments where the shouts of hatred are everywhere. Moments where you get caught up in politics. Moments where you get caught up in what somebody else says is right, even though you know it's not. And you're going to have to choose. And I'm going to be honest, sometimes you're going to lose friends. I have in my life lost friends. I have in my life been rejected. I have in my life lost jobs because I stood up for what was right. And again, this does not make me special because other people could say that. In your life, you are the only one on this earth who will know your heart. You'll be the only ones who know for a fact unless you tell people. Jesus knows, but unless you tell people on earth. You're the only ones who are going to know how you feel. And if you're truly giving into hatred, if you're truly living a life of love, because I will tell you this, and we see this in the world, it is really easy to say I'm a Christian. I just said it. Now I do my best to live it. But it's really easy to say those words. Because unlike cults and unlike some other religions, there, there's no like, certain way that we have to look and no certain thing that we have to do. We just have to be a Christian and say it and try and, you know, people don't check our attendance, people don't check our tithe, people don't check what we do, they don't check what we say, they don't check what we post. Unfortunately, we live in a world where a lot of people who say they're Christians post awful things. And then you see likes and likes and likes and shares and shares and shares. And it's just hatred, like the people that were shouting at Jesus. My point is, you're the only one who knows if, whether or not you're really a Christian talking to the teens here, I'm talking to the teens watching, I'm talking to the parents watching, I'm talking to the non-parents watching, which would be everybody else. You're the only one who knows if you're legit. There are people in this crowd who shouted hatred and shouted things to murder him. And they knew that. But there are also people who stayed quiet. There are also people who probably said, no, save Jesus, but they were drowned out. Only the people there knows which one of those groups they were in. One more scripture, and this is Matthew 7, 12. Do to others whatever you would have them, like them, to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Basically, it's the golden rule. Basically, it's do to others what you'd like them to do to you. This is supposed to be the baseline for how Christians live. I'm talking like this is just where we start, and then we move up from there. I'm not going to get into like, oh, 2020 was written by so-and-so, or 2020 is awful and blah, blah, blah. We get that it sucks. 
We get that a lot of things are happening that are negative. We get that things are hard. We get that people have hatred. We get that people are against each other. We get that people feel awful. We get it. But what if, what if you followed this as a baseline? What if you started your day treating everyone you came in contact with as you would want them to treat you? Not treating everybody how they treat you. Not treating everybody how you think they deserve to be treated. Not treating everybody how everybody else treats them. But treating them how you would like to be treated. And I'm not talking, and listen, I have a lot of depression and anxiety, and I truly hate myself sometimes. And so it's easy to be like, yeah, well, I'd like to be treated awfully. You know, even when you have these things, you don't really, really, really believe that. You feel it. But you'd still like to be treated better. What if you did that? What if everyone who says or posts, I'm a Christian, did that? What if our politicians who claim to have faith did that? What if everyone in every church did this? Would there still be questions about masks and still be questions about who to vote for and still be questions about whatever? Yes. But would there be hatred from the people who didn't do it? But let's look at the world. Let's say that there are, what, 7 billion people, 300 billion people, 7 billion people, something, something. Just go with me. Let's pretend. 7 billion people in the world. That sounds right. 7 billion people in the world. Let's say that, uh, let's go conservative and say that 10% of them are Christian. But still, millions and millions of people. It's a lot of people. It's more people than our Bengals fans. Probably not a great baseline, but it's, it's a lot of people. Definitely more people than in our town, in our city, in our state, country, etc. It's a lot of people. If all of those people, if 10% of the people in the world are Christians, and that 10% treated every single other person like they wanted to be treated, obviously there's 90% of the people who are not doing that. But that 10% would make such a difference. Such a difference. Maybe not worldwide. There'd still be strife. There'd still be hunger. There'd still be faults. There'd still be problems. There'd still be arguments. There'd still be hatred. But for that 10%, it would be, as we like to say in the church, a revival. And it's not even asking that much. This year has been difficult. And for me, it's been one of the most discouraging as a Christian. Because I have seen people take politics above God. And I have seen people take ideals and opinions above God. And I have seen people put themselves above other people. And I'm not saying anything specific because that's on you to figure out. Because my conscience is my conscience, your conscience is your conscience. But I have seen Christians be a part of the hatred calling for Barabbas. And I have seen Christians treat other people with contempt. Because one of the things that we're mistaken on is we think that if we treat someone kindly, that we agree with everything that they say. That's not true. It's not. Guess what? I do my best, and I'm not perfect. I do my best to treat everyone kindly. I don't agree with everybody that I meet. I don't. The only person I agree with 100% of the time, besides Jesus, is probably Beatrice. I would say Stevie, but Stevie thinks she can have food that she can't. It's my dog, if you're confused. Being kind does not mean agree with. Loving 
does not mean liking. The baseline for our faith, your what-if moment every day with every interaction, is treat people like you would want to be treated. That's what Jesus did. And Jesus died for it. But he died so that we don't have to, so that we would have that example, so we could stand up. We are getting into a very contentious part in our history. I get that. And I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm not going to tell you not to vote. Whatever. You have your faith. Pray. Figure it out. But even if you disagree with somebody else on how they vote, how you vote, blah, blah, blah. We don't serve a political party. We don't serve a candidate. We serve God. And we are called to stand up and to treat everybody like we want to be treated. We are not called to always proclaim that we're right. We're not called to always shame other people. We are called to do our best, to love God fully, to love others the same, and to treat others like we want to be treated. If you do that, no matter what your what-if moment, no matter what you do in life, if you do your truly, truly do your best to treat others like you want to be treated, no one can question what you've done in your life. You're not going to be perfect, you're going to mess up, you're going to make bad choices, but you're trying your best. And I believe that you can. So go out. Go out and treat everybody like you would want to be treated. Go out and be truly like Jesus. That's all I got.